Our first uh, scripture reading is from the New Testament. I'm going to share words from Matthew's Gospels, part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Wonderful words that Jesus has for us today, living as 21st century Christians. Jesus says, no one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I'll jump right in uh, as sort of an introduction to our story today, which I'm going to share in just a couple of moments from the book of Genesis. What you need to know is that old man Abraham is getting on in years, and his wife Sarah has recently died. And Abraham feels this pressure on his shoulders to resolve some very important unfinished family business. His son Isaac, you see, is 40 years old, and he still has not arranged for him to have a wife. Way back then, fathers arranged marriages, and if you ask me, a far more enlightened practice than in our present culture. Oh, you know that you probably wish that you could convince your daughters to adopt the ways of the Bible. We don't want to necessarily uh, uh, want to choose their husbands, but we certainly would love to have final veto power. Well, to make this uh, story sound even stranger in our kind of modern uh, context, although Abraham is required to find a uh, wife for his son, he does not make the arrangements himself. Instead, he calls over his servant and says, would you go and would you find my son Isaac a wife? And so Abraham makes the servant swear that he will not uh, find a Canaanite woman or some other from a pagan country surrounding the area. And so the servant then has to go all the way back to uh, Abraham's former country and pick a woman from amongst those people. Now, the servant knows that he has a tall order. He's got to go to a faraway land, and he has to convince some young lovely to leave her family, go to a different strange land, and marry a guy she's never even met before. Well, that's the context of which I'll be speaking this morning. So I'd like for us to investigate this scene, and let's see what happens as we look at our second scripture reading from the book of Genesis, from chapter 24, verses 10 through 25. It's the story of Rebekah at the well. It says, Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all kinds of choice gifts from his master. And he set out and went to Aram Nahiram, to the city of Nahor. He made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water. 
It was toward evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, oh Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. I am standing here by the spring of water and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. Let the girl to whom I shall say, please offer your jar that I may drink. And who shall say drink and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, there was Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, coming out with her water jar on her shoulder. The girl was very fair to look upon, a virgin whom no man had known. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me sip a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw for your camels also until they had finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold nose ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, Tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of straw and fodder and a place to spend the night. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, you have opened our ears to hear these words this morning. And so we pray that you would now uh, send your Holy Spirit to lead us into a deeper level of meaning of what this passage holds for us so that our lives may bring you honor and glory. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So just to kind of recap a little bit, the servant takes 10 camels with uh, gifts piled high for this woman, whoever she turns out to be, and also for her family. And then he leaves with the 10 camels across the desert in a caravan. And I, I wonder if he got closer to his destination that he was thinking, this is just absolutely crazy. Because by the time he reaches the outskirts of the village, he sort of throws up a SOS signal flare prayer to God. He says, God, I do not want to make a mistake about the woman who I choose to be Isaac's wife, so I really need your guidance, God. Please give me a sign so that I will know the woman whom you have chosen. And God, let her be the one who volunteers to do more than I even ask her to do. Now, ever prayed a prayer like that? Lord, give, give me a sign. I love the old uh, BC comic strip where this caveman gets down on his hands and knees and he prays, God, if you're up there, give me a sign. And just a moment later, in the next panel of that cartoon, this great big neon sign falls from heaven right next to him. And in giant letters, it says, I'm up here. <laughs> well, the servant in our story opens his eyes. And he sees this beautiful young woman of unimpeachable integrity on her way to the well. And so he asks himself, could this be the one? And he watches and he waits and he waits and he watches. 
and he sees her draw a jar of water from the well. And so he hurries over and asks her for a drink. And Rebecca takes the jar of water down from her shoulder and she gives him a drink. And then she says, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. And the servant thinks, bingo, this is the one. Why? What was it about Rebecca's gesture that was so significant? Well, the answer is, do you know how much camels drink at the end of a long desert journey? It is said that one camel, one, will drink somewhere between 20 to 30 gallons of water, which, if you do the math, 10 camels times 20 or 30 gallons of water. So if you think about that, that woman was out there all night long drawing water out of that well between 200 and 300 gallons of water, which is about the size of a small hot tub. So Rebecca would have been considered a very kind person if she had just offered the servant a cup of cold water. But nobody asked her to draw water for the camels too. So can you imagine just saying to that, that strange traveler, someone you've never met before, hey, you just go sit under that palm tree and rest for a while while, I'll draw, while I draw water for your camels too. I kind of think that Rebecca is this character that has been sort of moved back in time from the New Testament to the Old Testament because Jesus came to bring a kingdom of Rebecca's kingdom populated with people who when you ask them to do something they say sure I'll do that and I'll also do this this for you as well when Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount which you heard me read earlier in Matthew's gospel unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees in essence what he was saying hey unless you go beyond the letter of the law unless you go beyond what is asked of you, unless you go beyond what is required of you, unless you go beyond what the what spirit in your heart thinks, unless you go beyond the stinginess of the Pharisees who like to give out teaspoons, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, blessed are those who say, and for your camels also. Blessed are the Rebecca's who sacrificially and energetically respond to the needs of the people around them. So, do you want to be someone who builds up the kingdom of God? I, I do. I hope you do too. Well, then be a Rebecca. Do you want your faith to shine so brightly that people will be attracted to it like bugs to a floodlight? Well, then, then be a Rebecca. Would you like people to thank God for having a friend like you? Well, okay, then, then be a Rebecca. Now, when I think of the Rebeccas in my life, I can't help but think of a young 12th grade woman named Rebecca Simpson. She was in a church that I served in Wake Forest, North Carolina. She went home to be with the Lord in February of 2007 after a long struggle with leukemia. But Rebecca Simpson let her light shine before others as she lived her life each day faithfully and generously for Jesus Christ through her talents of singing and dancing and in her encouragement of young people who also had cancer or other diseases. And I have to wonder, what would life be like here if we became Rebecca's, all of us? not just where we work or in the schools 
if we're students or teachers, but also in, in our marriages. We have a lot of married couples here. How, how healthy, I guess, is what I'm asking. Would the marriages be if we embody the life of Rebecca who gave and gave and gave over and over and over again in everything she did, going above and beyond the call of duty? Well, this much I do know, in order to have a successful marriage, you have to have two people who are willing to go above and beyond. What I see sort of poisoning marriages today is this attitude, well, I'm going to marry someone so that they can meet my needs. Or, or they'll, they'll insist on reciprocity. I'll do this for you if you do this for me. I love the words of the comedian Jeff Foxworthy. He said, any man who thinks marriage is a 50-50 proposition doesn't understand women or fractions. <laughs> marriage requires 100% in both directions. So are you willing to say in your marriage, and I will water your camels also? Friends, love means setting aside your own desires, your own wants, your own needs, and basically knocking yourself out to meet the needs of the other person. But true love, true love, is what Jesus did for us on the cross. He pushed aside his own desires and needs, and he gave his all for you and me. Well, what about the church? As I look around, there are still camels that need to be watered in this church. There are still some dry spots. There are people who are thirsty for God's redemptive love. You know, that's why we had you fill out those time and talent forms last week. We're looking for people who are shaped, remember shaped, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, experience, who are shaped to serve as a Rebecca. A church goes from good to great when its members go above and beyond what is expected or as Buzz Lightyear yelled so loudly in the movie Toy Story, to infinity and beyond. So friends, can we be a church that goes to infinity and beyond, not only in what we say or in how we live, but in how we give? Often in our giving to God, we want to play it safe. We want to be risk-free. We want to be prudent. And we want to say, well, it just seems reasonable and safe that I'll give this much to the church in 2024. You can do that. Anybody can do that. Or, or we can say, and for your camels also, to infinity and beyond. For many of us, I think giving sort of goes against the grain. We would rather give as little as possible in order to get back as much as possible. Reminds me of the story of the man who was elderly, and uh, rich, and he was about to die, and he called in three of his advisors, his doctor, his minister, and his lawyer. And this miserable cheapskate miser said to them, you know, they say you can't take it with you, but who really knows for sure? And what if it isn't true? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm giving each of you an envelope that has $100,000 in it. At my funeral visitation, with the casket wide open, I want you to come up to that casket, and I want you to put that envelope with $100,000 in my coat pocket. Then, if it turns out that I can use that money, I'll be all set in the next life. 
Well, strangely, those three friends agreed to the man's wishes. And so at the funeral, they came up to the casket at the visitation, and they slipped an envelope into the pocket of the dead man's jacket as he lay there in the casket. And then afterwards, the three advisors sat down together. And the doctor said, listen, I got to get something off my chest. You know that medical costs are skyrocketing. And we have this CAT scan down at the hospital that is broken and in need of repair. And so I took $40,000 out of that envelope and used it to have the machine repaired at the hospital. And so then the minister said, well, that's going to make it a lot easier for me to share with you what I did. You know, we've got a big problem with poverty and food insecurity and homelessness around our church. And so I took $50,000 out of that envelope to use it for the church's ministry of homelessness and food. Well, the attorney was very upset. He says, I am shocked. I am so disappointed. This man was our friend. He put our trust in us. Well, anyway, I put the entire $100,000 in that envelope in the form of a personal check to me. Sometimes it's hard to pry loose from our hands the money that we have, but that's what we're called to do, out of gratitude for all the abundance that God has showered upon us in the form of blessings. So as I close, Rebecca had no idea who the servant was that day at the well, or that almost 4,000 years later, she would somehow be part of a sermon at a Presbyterian church in Quarryville, Pennsylvania. When that servant came up to her, she didn't say, hey, you know, this is a Bible story that people may read someday. I guess I better be on my best behavior and mind my P's and Q's. It was simply a joyous, spontaneous response to a need in which he said, and for your camels also. It was in that moment that all the tumblers of heaven sort of clicked into place as this young woman was brought into God's master plan for all the ages. And Rebecca took her place in a line of the grand succession of women as she became the great, 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 and probably many more greats, grandmother of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the incarnation of God who has come into the world. As you think about your relationship with God, as you think about your relationship with other people, as you think about relationship in your family, as you think about your relationship with this church, I hope, I pray, that you'll be able to say, God, I'm, I'm tired of giving you little sips from the water bottle of my life. Instead, I'd like for you to reach down into the inner fiber of my being and help me to be more loving, more attentive, more faithful, more generous. God, I want to go to infinity and beyond. And that's true, and that describes you. Then be a Rebecca, and be the kind of person who says joyfully, and for your camels also. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Our gracious and loving Father, we thank you for this wonderful picture of Rebecca whose response was above and beyond what was expected of her. We thank you for the Rebeccas who launched this church over 300 years ago when they responded to the magnitude of the need that they saw before them to have a place for worship, for fellowship, for discipleship, and for mission. Thank you, oh God, for the Rebeccas in this church, too numerous to name, who day by day respond by going to infinity and beyond. 
and for all the silent armies of people at chestnut level who give of themselves so generously and make this place such a great church. On this Thanksgiving weekend, thank you for the abundance of your grace and blessings. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.